This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media. We're broken people. Broke describes a lot more about us than our finances, does it not? Some of us are so broken, there's very little joy left in our life. We are truly shattered. And we're like the invalid of 38 years. We don't think healing can come. But the problem is you fell for the lie somewhere that you could fix yourself. You're in too deep now. It's too late. The only thing that's going to solve your problem is healing. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines, pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. Hey there, welcome back to Today with Jeff Fines. My name's Aaron, and in this episode, we're gonna continue a message that we started last time looking at John chapter five, where we read of Jesus and a man at the healing pool. The man had been suffering, broken down for 38 years. Now, this series, Broke, helps us find hope when we're broke, whether that's physically, financially, spiritually, or in some other type of way. Let's join Pastor Jeff in John chapter 5 as he finishes this message. If Jesus heals this guy, his life's going to change. He's actually going to have to get a job now and work for a living. He's going to have new challenges that he never had before. Think about it. He's going to probably have sibling rivalry. He's probably going to meet a girl and get married. And he's going to have a mother-in-law, which is the biggest challenge known to man. His life will change. Maybe he's to the point where he's thinking, man, my life stinks, but at least I'm used to it. I've gotten used to it. I've grown comfortable. I've given up on healing ever occurring 38 years. Now he doesn't even realize what he's missing. So his response then is more of an excuse than anything else. Verse seven, sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Now, let me give you a little background. Here's the legend, superstition. There is a a spring here, kind of an artesian well. The legend was that when the waters are stirred, it was an angel of God stirring the waters and the first one in gets healed. Now, Jesus I'm sure probably just thought, you know, this is so ridiculous. What, will, what people will do? So he just looks at him and said, look, do you want to get healed? Is that what you really want? And the man never answers him. He doesn't say, boy, would I? Yeah, my whole life. Well, yeah, Jesus, he just makes an excuse for why he hasn't been and why he's never gotten in the water first. Now, folks, listen, just a little pause here. These are not five beta kappa excuses. 38 years, guys. Wouldn't you think? At one point or another, in 38 years, he'd be like the other paralytic in the Bible who got four of his friends to march him up on top of a roof and lower him down so he could be with Jesus. Wouldn't you think he'd go and get four buddies and say, all right, guys, when the water's stirred, dump me in there. 38 years, I mean, you'd think, he'd think of a plan. Or with all this money he's made by begging, save some of it up and bribe about four guys. I'll give you the money if you'll do this. Somewhere along the line, he got used to living that way. Or maybe just persist like the Canaanite woman in Matthew 15, who basically refused to leave Jesus until Jesus healed her daughter. I'm not going anywhere. Surely after 38 years, he would say, hey, you rookies, get away from the pool. I've been here 38 years. I'm a veteran. I go in first. Anything. Hey, there's something else, by the way. By the time, by the time that this happens in Jesus' ministry, man, he's electrifying the whole countryside. 
People are following him. He can't go anywhere. I guarantee when Jesus came into this pool, people are behind him. They're all over him, seeking to be healed. My goodness, guys are being lowered through roofs, and even Romans are asking Jesus to heal them or their servants. Not this guy. He doesn't seek Jesus out, doesn't even ask to be healed. He even gives excuses why he's not. And here's the thing. Jeff, where are you going with it? He got healed. The guy gets healed. Do you know why? Because there's no formula. People approach Jesus with different amounts of faith. They got healed. There's no certain measure of faith required. I'm not saying that Jesus wasn't impressed with great faith. He was. He was encouraged by it and inspired by it. But people with imperfect faith still got healed. In fact, you go through the whole New Testament, which is what I've spent most of my life doing, trying to gather this information. People with little to even no faith got healed because they came into contact with Jesus and out of his own mercy, had nothing to do with him. He just healed them. Examples, Matthew chapter eight. A guy comes to Jesus, doesn't have a lot of faith in Jesus' compassion, knows maybe that Jesus has some strange ability, but he says to him in Matthew 8, verse 2, if you are willing, you can make me clean. In other words, Jesus, I believe you can. I'm just not sure you want to. And Jesus said, okay, fair enough. I want to. Lepers healed. Over in Mark chapter 9, the father of a tormented son brings his son to Jesus, does not exactly exhibit great faith. Here's what he says in verse 22 of Mark 9. If you can do anything, well, that's not a good way to start. Take pity on us. If it's true, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus said, I love it. We just can't see sarcasm in the Greek. Because Jesus says, what do, you, who you, what do you mean? What's this if I can business? If I can. He says, everything's possible for him who believes. Now, it does take some manner of belief to get to Jesus. That's why Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. It's not a comment on the measure. It's a comment on somewhat of faith will get you to go to Jesus. Some measure of belief will get you to go to him. This guy had some measure, but it wasn't great. He says, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. In other words, I have belief. That's why I'm here. It's just really shallow and weak, and it's associated with a lot of doubt. But help me. I think Jesus just smiled and said, okay, fine. And he healed his son. Luke chapter 7, my favorite New Testament story centurion, Roman guy, a Roman dude comes to Jesus. I mean, it's amazing. He makes his way through the streets of Capernaum and he says to Jesus, Jesus, my son or servant, we don't know which one because the word's hard to interpret, either his son or his servant is over there away from us and he needs to be made well. He's sick and I really love him. Jesus says, okay, let's go. He says, no, don't need to. You just say the word. You don't even have to be there. Just speak. He'll be healed. It's, you know, I think it's the only place in the Bible, well, there's two, pla uh, two places in the Bible where it says Jesus was astonished. How do you get surprised if you're the son of God? <laughs> That's another sermon completely. He turns over to the disciples and he says, guys, I've got to tell you something. I have not seen faith like this even among Israel. My own people don't believe in me like this Roman dude does. That's really cool. I love it. And his servant was healed that very hour. What's your point, Jeff? The healings. Come, even though there are varying amounts of faith, different measures from doubting compassion to doubting willingness, from doubting ability to almost no faith at all. And by the way, while we're on job, this, this guy in John chapter five, what a character. I can't go through it, but in the end, he actually turns Jesus in to get in trouble. Well, thanks for nothing. But when Jesus heals somebody, he does usually make some kind of comment or like he said to the Canaanite woman, great is your faith. 
He said to the Roman centurion, not great faith like this have I seen among Israel. This guy, he doesn't even get commented on his faith. Jesus doesn't say anything about it because it had nothing to do with it. Jesus came upon him, had compassion and healed him. Point blank, that's it. Okay, okay, Jeff, what's your point? When Jesus heals, it's not because somebody had a high degree of certainty or faith. There seems to be another criterion. What is the criterion? Jesus. Jesus and Jesus alone decides, which is why instead of trying to figure out the formula, it's like a thunderbolt coming down out of the sky. It's like God said, look, Jeff, stop trying to figure me out. I'm a little bit complex. Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. That's your job and never stop because the healing may come. And I'm given parable after parable in the Bible. That's difficult to understand because it appears that God is trying to communicate to me, persist, never give up. Even if you don't get what you're at, persist, persist, don't give up. And may it never be said of us what James said, you don't have because you didn't ask. You don't have because you don't ask. That there is power in coming to Jesus and saying, Lord, heal me. I want to be healed. I'm broken. I'm destroyed. Put the pieces back together again. And broke describes a lot more about us than our finances, does it not? But here's the deal. God sends revival. I can tell you, I'm having the time of my life. I'm like a kid in a candy store right now. God is doing something special, and I see 620 people go public with their faith. I see almost 100 come to Christ for the first time. I see the look in your eyes that your eyes are open in a way they haven't been since I got here. I see that you're listening. I see that God is communicating that everything belongs to him. Your very heart and soul, your, your physical, everything is his. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. But I know as your pastor that it's a bit much for a lot of us to take in. It's happening so fast. You know why? And we really want to do the right thing when we hear sermons. And when we have difficulty, we come to that point and it seems like it's short-circuited. You need to know why. Because you're broken and you need fixed or repaired. I've seen it a thousand times in my ministry. God speaks to us directly, clearly in a message we know. And we get this overwhelming sense. We want to obey. We want to give you everything, God. It's hard because we're broken inside. We got to be fixed. We got to be put back together again or we'll never go past this mediocre life. Look at the board. Look at it. We wrote that first week. We wrote how God has blessed us with more than we need. And then we came back the next week and we wrote what we're willing to sacrifice in order that the kingdom of God may advance in the world. I told you I wasn't going to read them, but I got weak. And I read a few. And I found it very interesting. One woman wrote this. I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to give up my husband's cable. <laughs> That's not quite what I had in mind. Those steps are hard to take. But I want you to know, when you hear truths that we're hearing, when God decides to communicate to us in a very special way, Oftentimes, that truth does not penetrate deep in our soul to the point of action because we're broken. We need repaired. And as much as we want to do the good, the intentions are good, the motivations are pure, I want you to never forget what I'm about to say. As long as you know me, remember this. 
Satan is real. He knows where to get you. And the right point that you get to where you're going to put that into your life and you're going to go another level, you're going to cross over, he sucker punches you. He hits you right in that area that he knows you're weak. He's ready. As soon as you say, man, I'm going to do it. I'm going to change. Boom, it comes from the back. You don't even see it coming. Because he knows if he just hammers you there in the place you haven't been healed, in the place you haven't given to God, that mother you've never forgiven, that father who abused you, you keep trying to earn his approval, he's never going to give it. That husband that betrayed you, that illness that's physical, that thing in your life you're addicted to, he just keeps hammering it. Every time he says, you think you're going to make changes. No, you're not, because I'm going to destroy you right here and there. Let me tell you, you can't fix yourself. You're in too deep now. There's only one answer for you. The grace of God and Jesus healing you. That's why I say, number one, we're broken people. Some of us are so broken, there's very little joy left in our life. We are truly shattered. And we're like the invalid of 38 years. We don't think healing can come. What happened to us? What happened? Where did we stop believing? What happened? My mom and my dad had a good marriage. But they, were, they came to a point where they were about to divorce. Good Christian parents, yes, it happens to them too. And I asked my mom, seated on the couch with her one night, I said, Mom, do you love Dad? She didn't answer me, first time. I said, Mom, are you, are you angry with Dad? I'll never forget her response. She said, Son, I wish I was angry, because at least then that would be some emotion. I feel nothing. So many of you, you feel nothing, man. You feel nothing for anybody. You don't feel anything for God. You don't know why, and I can't tell you why. And even if I did, you'd just be educatedly sad. <laughs> the only chance you have, the only chance is to be healed. And until you are, you're destined for mediocrity. You're destined for defeat. Some of you in this room, let's come on now. Some of you in the room, man, no matter how many times I talk about this, you still are addicted to pornography. You've had a couple of good weeks and then everything comes crashing down or some other sexual sin or activity that you know you should not be involved in as a follower of Jesus. Jesus still loves you. Of course he does. But the problem is you fell for the lie somewhere that you could fix yourself. You're in too deep now. It's too late. The only thing's going to solve your problem is healing. Jesus is going to have to lay his hands on you and heal you. <laughs> you, you can't fix yourself. You've gone too far. And here's the beauty of it. Jesus says, come. And there's a big sign that says, perfect faith, not essential. Just come. Come. Through a series of life circumstances, so many of you in the room, you're broken. You can't love. You can't forgive. You can't engage in meaningful relationship. And you know in your heart, that you have a hard time achieving any level of holiness. Even though everything within you wants to do the good, I'm telling you, it's because you're broken. You need repair. Some of you in the room are even committing or thinking about committing suicide. In a, group, in a room like this, statistics tell us there's about 20 of you. That's right, thinking about it. Because your life is going nowhere. You see no hope. I want to tell you, you're standing right now at the precipice of your life. Things can change. You can be healed. All you got to do is step out and come and trust Jesus. 
He asked every single one of us in this room this one question. Do you want to be well? Do you want to be made well? Then stop making excuses for why I won't do it. Stop putting me in your little box of theology and just come to me. That's what he says. Yes, your life's going to change. You're going to have new experiences and new challenges. But it's the abundant life you've always wanted to live. Don't you ever wonder why you can't cross over? Why you can't go to the next level? Jeff, are you talking demon possession? I want you to listen to me. I don't believe a demon can possess a believer. I don't. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. Same people can't occupy the same house. They can't. Jesus said, if I bind the strong man, first I bind him, take what belongs. Here's the deal though. (laughs) You start giving Satan back a few areas of your life and addictions and things. Let me tell you, he may not possess it, but he'll take control of that little room. And you need to be healed. You're in too deep. You're in too far. And the reality is, there's a whole other group of people in the room. You're like me. Now, folks, I don't judge you, so don't judge me. So what if I'm your pastor? You think I don't have problems? Listen, some of you are like me, and there's times in your life when you enter those waters of deep depression. And I don't need somebody else telling me why. There's a long list of reasons. I don't know why. I can't explain it. I just know it's real. And I wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat. There are times in my life I'm afraid I'm going to fail as a father. I'm going to fail as your pastor. That I'm not going to have enough money. Yeah, that's right. I'm just like you. That I'll get to the end of my life and have a long list of regrets of things I didn't do. Or that my children will grow up and not love me. Somehow I wasn't a good father and they just are not interested in being with dad. That is the greatest fear of my life. And I wake up in the middle of the night and I ache inside and I long for those feelings to go away. And if one more person comes and tells me why, I tell you, I think I'm going to have to repent of another sin. (laughs) Look, telling me why is not going to help me. It just means I'm educated, but I'm still hurting. I need healing. I need Jesus to heal me. You need Jesus to heal you. It's what we need. I can't fix myself. You can't fix yourself. You got to be healed. And here's the good news. Perfect faith, not essential. Just come. Just come. Where did we forget who Jesus was? What happened? We think we're smart. We think we don't need him now. We've got medical science to heal us. Oh, no, no, no. Some of you received a word that you've got the big C word, cancer. And you're broken Your mind is spinning, your heart is racing. Jesus is your only hope. Now, he can heal you in a lot of different ways. Doctors aren't evil. They're not from the devil. Well, at least not most of them. Sometimes he uses general providence and he takes you to the right person at the right time. Sometimes it's instantaneously, but man, man, surely you know of his compassion. And the fact that his compassion is enough to make you want to go to him, right? Some of you have chronic illnesses. You don't even know how to describe it. And you know what? You go to the doctor and he he can't tell you why either. It's finally dawned on me. Doctors aren't omniscient. There's only one who is. And he says he loves you. And he says, come to him. Number one, we are broken people. Number two, Jesus can heal all brokenness. Do you know that? Do you know that? He can heal all brokenness. You say, Jeff, there's nothing I can do. Yeah, but there's nothing he can't do. And somewhere along the line, You started, I started, we started severely underestimating the power of Jesus. Seek him out. Jesus says, I'm Jehovah Jireh. 
I am the great provider. I am the great healer. My identity has been revealed. I can do all things. Come to me. Do you want to be made well, he asked. Do you want to be healed? Stop making excuses for why I won't do it. Stop saying I don't do that anymore. And come to me. Perfect faith, not required. Jeff, how? Listen, before I give you that, I also know there's a lot of you young ladies, and I don't know why it is, but there's a lot of you facing infertility. You want a child more than anything else. Jesus loves you, and he knows you're going through that. Your best move is to come to him and get him involved. Are you saying he's going to heal me and I'm going to? No, no, because there is no formula, folks. He's the boss. But I know this, you don't come to him, you won't get healed. You come, he gets to decide. Some of you are angry with God because you lost a child. Even then, God says, come to me and I will nurse you through. I will help you. I will open your eyes. I will help you see what I'm doing. Because God takes everything that happens in our lives and turns it for good to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. What do I do then, Jeff? Here's what you do. Number three, come and seek healing. Oh, that's a good one, Jeff. How? Do you know that God knew we'd ask that question? And he knew that we'd need somebody with skin on to help us? And James writes, and this is long after Jesus now has ascended to the Father. So don't tell me it's a different age and God doesn't work that way anymore. Because here's what James tells us to do in verse 13. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church. Okay then, elders, come forward. I want to call you up. Come on up and line this front row. The Bible says call the elders. I'm calling the elders of the church to the front of the church. I also want to call people who the elders have commissioned to work and function on their behalf. We call them people with the gift of prayer and service or decision council. I want you to come up front so that we can obey James chapter 5. He says, call the elders of the church to pray over him or her and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. Not oil was symbolic for healing. Nobody's going to dump a pound of oil on your head. Don't worry, you'll look fine. They take one drop of oil, one little drop, and they post it here in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we simply are doing what James tells us to do. Anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. Interesting Greek word. It means to raise one's countenance. It means that if you come forward and you need to be healed and you're prayed for, whatever it is, folks, whatever, relational, worry that just debilitate, that just stagnates your life, fear that grips you, that one thing that the Holy Spirit brought to your mind when I talked about punching you in the gut. You can't heal yourself. You're way in too deep. And if you want your life, listen, there's not a person really in this room that doesn't need healing somewhere. And he says, call the elders, anoint with oil, pray. And he says, he will be lifted up. Sometimes God provides instantaneously. I'll admit that doesn't seem to be the rule in my life. I just want to make sure it's not because I don't believe though or not because I stopped coming to him. Sometimes he does it through general providence. It happens along the way. But he, here's the guarantee that you have. He says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. In other words, if it is because of sin, just repent. You're forgiven. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. 
It means that God will release, here's the promise, God will release his divine energy into your life when the elders pray for you and anoint you. That's the promise. God is going to do something special. I don't know why, because I'm not God. I'm not the sovereign. Here's what I know, though. Somewhere along the line, man, I don't know when it happened. You, me, us together, we forgot Jesus is Jehovah Jireh, the great provider. He is the great physician. He is the healer. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Finds. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Finds wherever you listen to podcasts. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media.